Chapter Eight: Cupid's Arrows, of Plain Tales from the Hills. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Mike Harris. Plain Tales from the Hills by Rudyard Kipling, Chapter Eight: Cupid's Arrows. Pit where the buffalo cooled his hide, by the hot sun emptied and blistered and dried, log in the ray grass hidden and alone, bund where the earth rat's mounds are strown, cave in the bank where the sly stream steals, aloe that stabs at the belly and heels, jump if you dare on a steed untried, safe it is to go wide, go wide, hark from in front where the best men ride, pull to the off boys wide, go wide, from the Peora Hunt. Once upon a time there lived at Simla a very pretty girl, the daughter of a poor but honest district and sessions judge. She was a good girl, but could not help knowing her power and using it. Her mamma was very anxious about her daughter's future, as all good mammas should be. When a man is a commissioner and a bachelor, and has the right of wearing open-work jam-tar jewels in gold and enamel on his clothes, and of going through a door before everyone except a member of council, a lieutenant-governor, or a viceroy, he is worth marrying. At least, that's what ladies say. There was a commissioner in Simla in those days who was and wore and did all I have said. He was a plain man, an ugly man, the ugliest man in Asia, with two exceptions. His was a face to dream about and try to carve on a pipe-head afterwards. His name was Saget, Bar Saget, Anthony Bar Saget, and six letters to follow. Departmentally, he was one of the best men the government of India owned. Socially, he was like a blandishing gorilla. When he turned his attentions to Miss Byton, I believe that Mrs. Byton wept with delight at the reward Providence had sent her in her old age. Mr. Byton held his tongue. He was an easy-going man. Now, a commissioner is very rich. His pay is beyond all dreams of avarice is so enormous that he can afford to save and scrape in a way that would almost discredit a member of council. Most commissioners are mean, but Bar Saget was an exception. He entertained royally, he horsed himself well, he gave dances, he was a power in the land, and he behaved as such. Consider that everything I am writing of took place in an almost prehistoric era in the history of British India. Some folk may remember the year before lawn tennis was born when we all played croquet. There were seasons before that, if you'll believe me, when even croquet had not been invented, and archery, which was revived in England in 1844, was as great a pest as lawn tennis is now. People talked learnedly about holding and loosing, steels, reflexed bows, fifty-six-pound bows, backed or self-you bows, as we talk about rallies, volleys, smashes, returns, and sixteen-ounce rackets. Now, Miss Byton shot divinely over ladies' distances, sixty yards, that is, and was acknowledged the best lady archer in Simla. Men called her Diana of Taradevi. Bar Saget paid her great attention, and, as I have said, the heart of her mother was uplifted in consequence. Kitty Byton took matters more calmly. It was pleasant to be singled out by a commissioner with letters after his name, and to fill the hearts of other girls with bad feelings, but there was no denying the fact that Bar Saget was phenomenally ugly, and all his attempts to adorn himself only made him more grotesque. 
He was not christened the Langur, which means grey ape, for nothing. It was pleasant, Kitty thought, to have him at her feet, but it was better to escape from him and ride with the graceless Cubbon, the man in a dragoon regiment at Umballa, the boy with a handsome face and no prospects. Kitty liked Cubbon more than a little. He never pretended for a moment that he was anything less than head over heels in love with her, for he was an honest boy. So Kitty fled now and again from the stately wooings of Bar Saget to the company of young Cubbon, and was scolded by her mamma in consequence. But, mother, she said, Mr. Saget is such a, such, he, he's so fearfully ugly, you know. My dear, said Mrs. Biden, piously, we cannot be other than an all-ruling providence has made us. Besides, you will take precedence over your own mother, you know. Think of that and be reasonable. Then Kitty put up her little chin and said irreverent things about precedence and commissioners and matrimony. Mr. Biden rubbed the top of his head, for he was an easy-going man. Late in the season, when he judged the time was ripe, Bar Saget developed a plan which did great credit to his administrative powers. He arranged for an archery tournament for ladies with a most sumptuous diamond-studded bracelet as prize. He drew up his terms skillfully, and everyone saw that the bracelet was a gift from Miss Byton, the acceptance carrying with it the hand and heart of the commissioner, Bar Saget. The terms were a St. Leonard's round, thirty-six shots at sixty yards, under the rules of the Simla Toxophilite Society. All Simla was invited. There were beautifully arranged tea-tables under the Deodars at Annandale, where the grand stand is now. And alone in its glory, winking in the sun, sat the diamond bracelet in a blue velvet case. Miss Byton was anxious, almost too anxious, to compete. On the appointed afternoon, all Simla rode down to Annandale to witness the judgment of Paris turned upside down. Kitty rode with young Cubbon, and it was easy to see that the boy was troubled in his mind. He must be held innocent of everything that followed. Kitty was pale and nervous, and looked long at the bracelet. Bar Saget was gorgeously dressed, even more nervous than Kitty, and more hideous than ever. Mrs. Byton smiled condescendingly, as befitted the mother of a potential commissioneress, and the shooting began, all the world standing in a semicircle as the ladies came out, one after another. Nothing is so tedious as an archery competition. They shot, and they shot, and they kept on shooting, till the sun left the valley and little breezes got up in the deodars, and people waited for Miss Byton to shoot and win. Cubbon was at one horn of the semicircle round the shooters, and Bar Saget at the other. Miss Byton was last on the list. The scoring had been weak, and the bracelet plus Commissioner Bar Saget was hers to a certainty. The Commissioner strung her bow with his own sacred hands. She stepped forward, looked at the bracelet, and her first arrow went true to a hair full into the heart of the gold, counting nine points. Young Cubbon on the left turned white, and his devil prompted Bar Saget to smile. Now horses used to shy when Bar Saget smiled. Kitty saw that smile. She looked to her left front, gave an almost imperceptible nod to Cubbon, and went on shooting. I wish I could describe the scene that followed. It was out of the ordinary and most improper. Miss Kitty fitted her arrows with immense deliberation so that everyone might see what she was doing. She was a perfect shot, and her forty-six-pound bow suited her to a nicety. She pinned the wooden legs of the target with great care four successive times. She pinned the wooden top of the target once, 
and all the ladies looked at each other. Then she began some fancy shooting at the white, which, if you hit it, counts exactly one point. She put five arrows into the white. It was wonderful archery, but seeing that her business was to make golds and win the bracelet, Bar Saget turned a delicate green like young watergrass. Next she shot over the target twice, then wide to the left twice, always with the same deliberation, while a chilly hush fell over the company, and Mrs. Byton took out her handkerchief. Then Kitty shot at the ground in front of the target and split several arrows. Then she made a red or seven points just to show what she could do if she liked, and finished up her amazing performance with some more fancy shooting at the target supports. Here is her score as it was picked off. Gold, red, blue, black, white. Total hits and total score for Miss Byton. One gold, one red, zero blue, zero black, five white. Seven total hits for a total score of twenty-one. Bar Saget looked as if the last few arrowheads had been driven into his legs instead of the targets, and the deep stillness was broken by a little snubby mottled half-grown girl saying, in a shrill voice of triumph, "'Then I have won!' Mrs. Byton did her best to bear up, but she wept in the presence of the people. No training could help her through such a disappointment. Kitty unstrung her bow with a vicious jerk and went back to her place, while Bar Saget was trying to pretend that he enjoyed snapping the bracelet on the snubby girl's raw red wrist. It was an awkward scene, most awkward. Everyone tried to depart in a body and leave Kitty to the mercy of her mamma. But Cubbon took her away instead, and, and the rest isn't worth printing. End of chapter 8 Cupid's Arrows Recording by Mike Harris